How do you folks? It's Tuesday the 3rd of November. My name is James Taylor and I'm the curate in the central hub of Church Wigan. Wherever you are today and whatever you're doing, the Lord be with you. We continue our new series of reflections entitled, What Kind of King is This? As we journey through the kingdom season of the church. This week we're looking at the matriarchs and patriarchs of ancient Israel and today's reflection is on Joseph. I'll make allusion to the entire Joseph narrative at the end of the book of Genesis, but for our reading today, we focus especially on Genesis 41, and how Joseph's leadership is portrayed in this chapter. I'm using the NRSVA translation of scripture, and I'm reading from Genesis chapter 41, verses 37 to 40, then 46 to 49, finally 53 to the end. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone else like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Verses 46 to 49. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plenteous years, the earth produced abundantly. He gathered up all the food of the seven years when there was plenty in the land of Egypt and stored up food in the cities. He stored up in every city the food from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it. It was beyond measure. And verses 53 to the end. The seven years of plenty that prevailed in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in every country, but throughout the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, The people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. And since the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the world came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, because the famine became severe throughout the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I assume that most of us have some sort of understanding of the Joseph story, even if you don't believe you're a Christian. This is due to the story being a Sunday school favourite, and it seems that every single student who's been through the British education system has been in the production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at some point. I am no exception, as I was in the 2007 Deanery High School production And that's where my love of musicals all kicked off. That's another story, though. The Joseph narrative is the longest about a single person in the entire Old Testament. Yet mentions of Joseph are sparse after the book of Genesis. Even when the twelve tribes of Israel are mentioned in subsequent books of scripture, the people of Joseph aren't referred to as the tribe of Joseph. Instead, they are called after his sons. The narrative is a fascinating one, though, with stark differences to the musical and some fairly hefty theological issues. 
such as how and why Joseph is othered by his brothers at the beginning of Genesis 37. If you're interested in a queer theological interpretation, have a look at the resources in the web link in the script. There's also issues around family dynamics, justice for foreign captives, slavery, the list is endless. For the purposes of this reflection, let's look at how Joseph undertakes leadership. Joseph, up to the point of Genesis 41, has been falsely imprisoned. But whilst there, he has shown his connection and faithfulness to God by being a prophet for God when it came to the dreams of two of Pharaoh's servants. In Genesis 41, Pharaoh himself has two dreams which he cannot comprehend and neither can any of the Egyptian magicians or advisers. At this point, one of the servants who'd been in prison, the cupbearer, tells Pharaoh that Joseph can interpret dreams. Pharaoh sends for Joseph, and after two years in prison, he is cleaned up and brought before Pharaoh. Here's the first interesting point for me. God used Joseph even though he was seen as a convicted criminal who'd been abandoned. However, before Joseph can go before Pharaoh, he has to be cleaned up and dressed in fine linen. There's a sermon here about how God uses the people we least expect to be prophets and who we think is presentable or worthy of undertaking leadership or not. Essentially, God can and does call anyone. It's us as human beings that discriminate. Once Joseph is cleaned up, he goes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asks Joseph if he can interpret the dream about the 14 cows and 14 ears of corn. Joseph says he can't interpret the dream, but instead points to God. Verse 16. It is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favourable answer. For any of us that undertake any form of Christian leadership and discipleship, we have to ask ourselves, is what we are doing, is our leadership styles, methods and giftings, pointing back to God who gave us those gifts and skills in the first place? If they don't point to God, you need to do some reflection and discernment to see how your leadership can be orientated back towards God. This isn't a cause for shame, by the way. We all lose our perspective from time to time. It's when we don't ask God and those people around us for help that we get ourselves and those we're leading into real trouble. Who are the people who keep you accountable when it comes to leadership? Have a think about those people, and if no one comes to mind, think about who you could ask. God does indeed tell Joseph what Pharaoh's dream means. It is a warning about what will happen to all the food and crops in the land of Egypt and beyond over the next 14 years. Pharaoh either realises that he can't guide the land he rules through this time, or he can't be bothered to. Either way, Joseph, as one who in whom is the Spirit of God, is promoted to the second highest ruler in the land, so he can observe the management of the food gathering and distribution. I find Pharaoh's assessment of Joseph fascinating. The Egyptian culture at the time believed that the Pharaohs were gods, powerful gods as well. For Pharaoh to recognise and admit his weakness and trust in the provision of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is a big deal. Egypt for this season not only accepts a Hebrew leader, but also the Hebrew God. Once more, this links into Joseph being a vehicle for God and signposting to God. 
and the importance of this for us today cannot be understated. Again, who are we signposting to? Joseph takes the number two position willingly, and all that comes with it, wealth and status included. In verse 45, Joseph even takes on an Egyptian name and wife. We need leaders who are willing to step up and serve when called. But I do wonder if Joseph sacrifices too much of himself and his identity to take on this role. Perhaps I'm cynical and Joseph adapting in the Egyptian surroundings is a masterclass on how to engage with the local culture you find yourself leading in. Again, something for you to ponder. One of the things that I am not too comfortable with in this narrative is how Joseph's leadership style works out practically. He takes on this new identity and then, rather than giving the food back to the people when it's most needed, sells it back to the Egyptian people and to visitors from other nations around Egypt. See verse 56. Joseph, later in the story, uses deceit and emotional manipulation against his brothers when they don't recognise him, though he does weep because of this action. Lastly, in Genesis 47 verses 20 to 21, Joseph buys virtually all the land of the Egyptians and enslaves them so they can pay for the food as the famine is still going on. The part of Egypt that the Hebrews settle in, though, is prosperous and is not enslaved. Well, not until Exodus, anyway. No doubt this prosperity in the face of the suffering of the native Egyptians goes some way to explain the tensions that we see in the book of Exodus. From a humanitarian perspective, Joseph is an appalling leader putting finance and status above the welfare of the people he is leading. It also sharply contrasts with Jesus' leadership of putting the poor first and giving them priority over the rich and the powerful. Who are we showing preference for at the moment, the poor or the powerful? Joseph then is a mixed bag when it comes to his role as a leader. On the plus side, he signposts to God, is willing to step up into a leadership role and is very efficient at his job. The price for that, though, is that he somewhat abandons his identity and ends up prioritising wealth and power over the needs of the people, as well as enslaving a nation and emotionally manipulating others. If anything, it just goes to show that no matter how in touch we are with God, we can still fail in our leadership. May we have the courage when we fail to confess to God and reconcile with those we've let down. Let's finish our time together in worship. I'm going to pray a prayer from Derby Diocese on anti-slavery and then we'll finish with the Lord's Prayer. God of our salvation, who created all things out of love for your children, help us who love you to defend the rights of the orphan, the widow and the oppressed of every generation. Hear the cries of our hearts for those enslaved in our world today. And in your compassion, bring comfort and healing, restore liberty and dignity, and lead each of your children from bondage to sin to the glory of your kingdom. We make your prayer through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Across Wigan, Liverpool Diocese and with Christians all over the world, and in whatever form or language that deepens our relationship with God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you for your time today, folks. Go well and be safe in all that you do today.